Well, all right, once again, welcome to the Becoming Church. And if you are new here, really excited uh, that you chose to hang with us today. And again, really quickly, Pathway is happening 15 minutes after the service. So listen, if you heard it just a minute ago and you're like, yo, well, I didn't sign up. No worries. You don't have to sign up. All you got to do is show up and we're going to have snacks and refreshments and all that stuff uh, ready for you as well. And uh, remember I said um, if my wife was here, she would help me out because there's probably something that I forgot. There was something that I forgot. Hey, over the last 10 weeks of us being existing as a church, we have had multiple people make decisions for Jesus, either a first-time commitment or a new commitment, and we want to celebrate that. And we believe your next step is to be baptized. And so on May 22nd, uh, we're going to baptize people here at the Becoming Church. It's going to be an amazing day of celebration. And so if that is you, uh, you can actually text TBC uh, Baptism. Right? Yes, there we go, to 94,000, and you can sign up to be baptized. Because, listen, we want to celebrate you, and, and we believe that that is your next step uh, in letting everybody know that, listen, I have made a decision to follow after Christ. And so if that is you, or if you know someone uh, who has made that decision, let them know, like, yo, you need to go get baptized. So simply text TBC Baptism uh, to 94,000, and that's going to be May 22nd is going to be an amazing day, a great opportunity to invite uh, family, friends, and coworkers to celebrate what the Lord has done in your life. And today I'm excited as we begin this new collection of talks uh, titled Practicing the Way. And I think it's going to be something good over the next number of weeks to really dive in and what it means to follow Jesus. But before I say any more, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our scripture reading as we kick off. It's going to come from Luke uh, chapter 6. We're going to read verses 46 through 49. That's Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. I give you a chance to flip there or scroll there. Or if you don't have a copy, you can just uh, follow along right here on the screen. So Luke 6, verse 46, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Pause. I want to use this to my kids. <clears throat> Why do you call me Daddy, Daddy, <laughs> and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built the house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, family, in our previous collection called Come and See, we took a few moments to dive into this idea of what it really means to follow Jesus. Like, we hear that language of follower of Jesus all the time, but have you ever wondered, like, what does that really mean? When Jesus says, follow me, he is essentially saying, come and be my disciple. But have you ever wondered and asked yourself, well, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to apprentice under Jesus? 
Well, to apprentice under Jesus means to reorganize your life around these three goals, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. That's it. It's that simple. But walking out those three goals is an entire life pursuit. It's not about something happening in a moment, but it's an entire life's pursuit. It's much more than a Sunday morning. It's much more than because I showed up to an I Love My City. It's much more than pathway. It's much more than connecting with belong groups. It is a way of life in community and gathering around the teachings of Jesus. So to live this way means we need to be transformed completely from the inside out. And so maybe you're asking yourself, well, is this kind of authentic transformation possible? Especially when you step back and you look and see the wildness of this modern, digital, urban world that we live in. And I'll tell you the answer is yes. It is possible through teaching, practice, community, and the Holy Spirit that we can recover our humanity in apprenticeship under Jesus. Now, when I say apprenticeship, I want you to get in the, the context or the frame of reference of uh, thinking about uh, like an electrician or uh, and plumbing, that they would apprentice under a master electrician until they become one. And in the same way, that is what it means to follow Jesus or be a disciple of Jesus, that we are apprenticing under him, that those three goals are the goals that we're trying to orient our life around to be with Jesus, uh, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And so today, as we kick off this new collection titled Practicing Away, we will discover exactly how. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. God, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. God, thank you that we get to gather around your word today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your word that does not return to you void, but it accomplishes every single thing that you sent it out to do. God, we trust your word. Your word does not change. God, your word cannot be canceled. We thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see Ears to hear, Lord, exactly what it is you want us to see and exactly is what you're speaking to us. God, we say this, speak because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, come on, everybody said? Amen. amen, amen. Family, growing up playing basketball, I was all too familiar with practice. Now, what I'm about to say is going to sound like any person from generation to generation. But see, sports today has nothing to do with how it was when I was growing up, right? Every generation says that. <laughs> we really practice. In high school, uh, we had fourth block, fourth block athletics. But see, our coach took the opportunity for practice to go ahead and begin in fourth block. And if you thought like, oh, well, that's cool because that meant that you got to go home early. Oh, no, not at all. That was just his opportunity when everybody else got out the building to really run us crazy like how he wanted us to run. We really got it in. Now, understand, my coach growing up or in high school, he wasn't a coach that was like, let's sit down and let's talk about your feelings. Let's talk about what you thought about that play. What did you see there, son? No, 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 no. That was not his, his flow at all. He was a Bobby Knightish kind of coach. 
If y'all, if you don't know Bobby Knight, just just Google YouTube Bobby Knight, right? He would do what was necessary to get his point across, talking about my coach, even if it included to, you know, throw a chair across the floor just to let people know where he was. In fact, now, this type of environment, I loved it. Like, it, it just, it meshed with my personality. You know, y'all would never believe this about me, but, you know, sometimes I can be a little bit smart mouth. Y'all wouldn't believe that at all, and I'm so grateful for that, you know, because I'm the most kind, most generous, most gracious person. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but I, I loved it. And so, in fact, I remember um, one time we were in Tuscaloosa at Alabama's uh, summer camp, and I think this was the second day, and I got off to a slow start in the game. I will admit that. And he called time out, and he says, son, you don't look like you're ready to play. And so in true fashion and true to who, you know, the Lord is working on, I am becoming, okay? You know, I was, anyway. I looked at him, and I wiped my face and just stared at him like this, almost to say, well, what about now? How does that look? Do I look like I'm ready to play now? But I loved it. I didn't mind it. It always made me play better. So it was all good that he was a little Bobby Knightish. In fact, you know, our practices were far more intense than games. I, I remember talking to a baseball coach. Um, uh, I think he taught our driver's ed course uh, class, and I was like, oh, yeah, our practices are crazy. In fact, games are actually easy because our practices are wild. So for us, there was no pressure uh, no level of intensity or any type of scheme or, or whatever, some kind of defense that another team could apply to us that we haven't already seen ourselves because we practice with intensity. We did some crazy things in practice. I remember one time he took all the air out of the basketballs because he's like, last game y'all dribbled too much. So y'all going to pass this thing around. You're going to have to move it to get the best shot. Anyway. You like, did we come here to talk about practice? Actually, yes, this, the collection is called Practice in a Way. But y'all keep, keep tracking with me. But there was nothing that we could go through in practice that we wasn't prepared for when it got time to play the game. No matter what a team brought onto us, we were ready. What if the idea of practice extended to our walk with Jesus? Just think about that for a second. What if the idea of practice extended to this idea of following Jesus? Because here's the truth about it. We practice our faith, right? We don't get to a point where we master it. We don't get to this point where we simply, well, I, I get it now. No, we practice it. So in the infamous words of Alan Iverson, you may have gathered this, we are talking about Practice. <laughs> so today we are beginning this new collection entitled Practicing the Way. And throughout this collection, we're going to explore just what it means to practice. And now if you're wondering, well, what does practicing the way mean? I've mentioned that several times over these last uh, number of weeks of practicing the way or following the way of Jesus. But what does that really mean? Well, understand this, that the early followers of Jesus were not called Christians, but they were actually called followers of the way. The term Christian 
didn't come about until you see it in Acts uh, chapter 11, verse 26. It didn't come about until Antioch when it was used not as a term of endearment, but meant to be a derogatory term. Like in other words, like look at these little dudes over here pretending to be like Christ. Who do y'all think y'all are acting like Christ over there trying to be like Christ? But the term the way was used and based off what Jesus said in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, uh, Jesus, he's taking time to reassure his disciples on, uh, this, uh, on the truth of not needing to be troubled because of all of what was about to take place. This is the Last Supper. And so he's trying to comfort them. And he tells them, he says, listen, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And you know the way that I am going. To which Thomas responds, and it just has to be Thomas, right? But he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Like that's just the attitude I feel that he had. But Jesus, he says this verse that you may be familiar with in John 14, 6, where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, before we dive into what Jesus says there, let's understand that Thomas's question of, well, how do we know the way to where you are going is more reasonable than you think. It's more reasonable when you place yourself in the context, in his context, and in that moment. See, we have the perspective of reading scripture from the vantage point that we have today. But if we're honest, his question is reasonable. The answer that Thomas gives, it points to what I guess for us is a natural way of reasoning, that the way to the way is through a natural, normal pattern of human accomplishment. In other words, it's going to be about me. It's going to be based on works. It's going to be based on human effort. But the way that Jesus is referring to is not based on humanity, but is instead based on divinity because he is the way. Now, when Jesus says, I am the way, he is saying that I am the access point to where I'm going, that I am the only access point to the Father, that there is no other path to heaven, there is no other means or no, no other avenue to salvation, that salvation comes through me alone, that I am the way, I am the access point. And that statement that Jesus makes, it correlates to what God said to Moses in Exodus 3. So God has raised up Moses to lead uh, the Israelites out of captivity from the Egyptians. And now Moses, we know, he has a couple questions about that. He has a couple concerns about that. If he's qualified, can he do it? All that stuff. But eventually he's like, you know, okay, cool, I'm up for it. But here's the thing. So the, the, the Israelites have been in Egypt for a while, and so they are polytheistic. So they, they serve many gods, right? So when I go to deliver this news and tell them and, and Pharaoh and all this stuff, they're going to need to know who is helping to facilitate this. And so God says, okay, cool, I got you. So God says to Moses, um, just tell them I am. I can see Moses saying, ho, 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 hold on, let me get a tablet, <clears throat> get the chisel. Okay, got it. I am. Hey, hey bro, what's your, what's your last name? I'm plugging in my phone. What's, what's, your last, what's your last name? 
because they gonna they gonna need to know. They got questions. You know, other people got that name. I am. So we got to dif- differentiate. You know, Smith Jackson. Who 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 is this? <laughs> and the Lord tells him who I am. <laughs> so I can see Moses like I am who I am. Wait a minute. But see, what God was trying to get Moses to understand was that you don't even know what you're going to need, but guess what? I am. You don't even know what you're going to face, but guess what? I am. You don't even know what the moment is going to require, but guess what? I am. I'm going to be the answer and the solution to every single thing that you're going to face. So you don't need to be concerned about what's his last name, this, that, and the other. All you need to know is that I am. Whatever the moment requires, I am. Whatever you face, I am. Whenever anxiety raises up in you, I am. I am going to be the solution and the answer to every single thing you're going to face. And so if you really want to know what the last name is, just insert the issue in I am. I am. Now, in the same way, Jesus was letting the disciples know, and essentially you and I know as well, that I am the way, that there is no other way. There is no other access point. That there's not this idea that You have your truth and they have their truth. He says, no, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. I am the access point. I'm the access point to freedom. I'm the access point to peace. I'm the access point to life. And I believe that some of us, we need to get that revelation because we've been so concerned and so consumed with trying to figure out things that are beyond our pay grade. Instead, we need to realize that I am. This is what God says, I am, I'm going to be every single thing you need for what the moment requires. So Jesus is the way, and the way that he lived his life has shown us the way that we should live our lives and the avenue in which we live out modeling our lives after Jesus is what we call practicing the way. Now remember, in apprenticing Under Jesus, the goal is to orient our lives by these three goals. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And we're going to achieve these goals by way of practice. And so we're going to look at the practices of the faith and how we can implement them into our lives. And the first practice that I want us to discuss this morning is the way of faith. And so if you're taking notes, you can title that uh, this conversation this morning, The Way of Faith. Now, we, ha- we all have heard of faith, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. But have you ever stopped and asked yourself, well, what exactly is faith? Is faith simply making a wish? Is it saying, here is what I want to happen, so I'm going to wish and just call it faith? Is it a license to not be responsible, to be wise in decision making, right? Well, I don't need to prepare and I don't need to do this because I've got faith. Surely that's not what it is. But we've got to answer this question, what do we do with faith? I think the best way to answer what do we do with faith is, faith is to go to the word and see what does 
the word of God say about faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Here's the definition for you. Faith is the confidence that God will not lie. Hebrews 11, to illustrate this, Hebrews 11, it lists off what is essentially become known as the, the Hall of Faith. You might have heard of the Hall of Fame, but look at this as the Hall of Faith. And it lists off men and women that God used to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. And before I continue with the Hall of Faith, let me stop right there. When you go to Hebrews 11 and you read these men and women that list out as in the Hall of Faith, you will not see men and women who were perfect, You will not see men and women who made all the right decisions. You will not see men and women who just did everything right. But you will see some men and women who were broken, messed up people, but yet they were willing to say yes to God in a moment where they didn't have a clue about it, but they had enough faith to say yes to him. And this is the part that you need to get. Maybe you have disqualified yourself because of your past or your issues or your struggles, but let me stop you right there. You don't have to worry about your past, your issues, or your struggles because God is fully aware of that, but yet he is saying, I want to use you. I want to use you. I want to use you. All he is looking for us is to be a willing vessel to say yes to him. So your past does not disqualify you when you give a yes to God because his grace has the ability to overcome every issue and struggle of your past. He's just looking for people who are willing to say yes to him. So don't sit in that seat thinking I can't be used to God. Don't sit in that seat thinking that God can't do something with my life that will give glory to him. Because let me tell you, there's actually power in that. When people can look at your past, look at your struggles, and know your your history and see what the Lord is doing in your life, it presents an opportunity for a testimony that says, yo, if God changed their life, come on, that he can change my life. If he did it in your life, he can do it in mine. And even if you feel like, yo, I don't have that story. Come on, there is victory and something to celebrate. And, well, look what God has kept me from. Look what I didn't get involved in. Look what role I didn't go down. Look how the Lord kept me. It all sums up to this. It's the grace of God. All right, play. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. (laughs) So now we, we see these men and women that God has used in the hall of faith. But the opportunity that it gives us is we get to look at their lives and experiences and remember what God did and receive the revelation that if he did it before, then he could do it again. And that revelation reinforces confidence that God will not lie because his record indicates that he is trustworthy and would do what he said. That we can look back and see how he used these men and women to do amazing things for his glory in spite of themselves. But I've also come to realize that many of us don't live a life of faith because we don't live a life of trusting God. That we say, oh, I, I, I can trust you. Maybe I can trust you or perhaps I can trust you in some spaces, but I can't trust you with my life. I can maybe trust you with my finances, maybe trust you with my career, but I I don't know if I'm at that point that I can really trust you with my life. And so many of us, we actually don't live a life of faith 
Because we don't live a life trusting God. We want to be able to have the reins and be in control. But listen, that's not what faith is. Faith says that I don't have to see it to believe it, but I believe it before I see it. Now, let me stop right there. I don't want any incorrect thinking. This is not blab it and grab it, name it and claim it at all. That's, that's not what we walk in or live in. But this is trusting the word of the Lord without having to see it come to pass today. Are you tracking with me? So as we navigate the way of faith, I want us to make observations on what it looks like to practice the way of faith. And that first observation that we're going to make this morning is this faith lives outside of comfort. Faith lives outside of comfort. Now, many of us, we say, some of us, I should say, we're like, yo, I want to live a life of faith, or we want to live a life of faith, but what we're really meaning when we say these things is that we want an easy path towards the life that God has called us to. I'll raise my hand and say that. But the reality is, it just doesn't work that way, family. I'm sorry. See, we want the miraculous to happen in our lives, but we don't want the discomfort to come along with it. We love the results that come from eating right and hitting the gym, but we don't want to eat right and hit the gym. (laughs) We'll hit it Monday, not tomorrow, but that Monday. So we live this life saying, well, God, I have faith, but listen, can you just not mess with my comfort? But family, we got to understand this, that miracles happen outside the safety of comfort. That's what makes it a miracle. Are you tracking with me? Think about Peter stepping outside of the boat in, in, in the Gospels. So Jesus is out on the water. He had left and went to the other side, and now he's to pray, and he's, he's out on the water, and disciples are in a boat. And they're, like, freaking out because they're like, yo, what is this, a ghost? Like, what's happening? And Jesus is like, yo, relax. It's me. And Peter, you know, if you're familiar with Peter, he's like, well, then if it's you, then call us out there. And Jesus says, come. And we know, some of us, we know the story. Peter steps outside of the boat, and eventually he sinks. Now, what a lot of times we miss Peter sank, but he actually walked on water, right? He sank because he was walking on water when he took his eyes off of Jesus and started paying attention to the elements. But I want to look at, I want to go back and and look at it. Oftentimes we think that Jesus said, Peter, come. But Jesus didn't say, Peter, come. He just simply said, come. So that invitation was available to everybody who was inside that boat. But while Peter gets a bad rap, but Peter was the only one with enough faith that said, listen, if Jesus is calling me out there, then I want to go and be a part of that. And some of us, we got to get that this morning because there are some things that he is calling us to. There are some places and and things that the Lord is saying, step into this. But a lot of us, we don't want to step outside of the boat, but we got to be like Peter and saying, listen, if Jesus is in that, if Jesus is involved in it, then I'm going to dismiss my comfort and say yes to calling. 
We can't be like the ones inside the boat. We can't be the ones on the sideline. And for some of you, that's some family, friends, and coworkers. You don't want to do that. It's too risky. What are you doing making that move? No, let them chill in the comfort of the boat, but you go say yes to calling. Now, yes, Peter did sink, but what I love about that later in that, in that story, it says, and they climbed back into the boat. What I believe, Jesus simply just reached down and they began to walk on water until getting back in the boat. So, family, even if it's scary, even if it's crazy, guess what? You've got the Lord who will walk alongside with you and get you to where you need to go. You just need to be willing to step outside of the boat. Miracles happen outside of comfort. Or even Moses that we already talked about, he's leading the Egyptians. That wasn't comfortable. You get all, excuse me, uh, the Israelites. That wasn't comfortable. You got all these people complaining. We ain't got no leeks and melons and whatever all that stuff is. <laughs> like, you know, we, we want to go back. He's like, you want to go, you want to go back to that? And they get to the sea and the Lord part of the sea and all these miraculous, you got Chick-fil-A, minis raining down every single day. You ain't got to prepare or nothing. But you're in the desert. It's not necessarily comfortable, but that's the place where miracles happen. See, faith will often take you through uncomfortable territory because it reinforces your reliance on God. It's a moment where you step back and say, yo, if God is God, then God, you're going to have to be God. Because <laughs> this thing is not going to happen unless you're in it. Nothing's going to work unless you are in it. And what's happened is too many of us have gotten comfortable and we no longer take risk. But you need to step out of the boat and be willing to take risk because family, God is going to provide what the moment requires. He's going to provide what the moment requires. There's a story in Matthew 17 where some temple workers who collected the tax was like, yo, Peter, what's up? Y'all going to pay the tax or not? And so Jesus says, hey, um, Peter, go over to that lake, and the first fish you see, pull it out of the water. You know what was happening? What happened after that? He opened up the mouth of the fish, and there were coins inside the mouth of the fish to pay the temple tax. Listen, God will cause the things that should not give you what you need to be the thing that will produce exactly what you need, family. God is going to, requ- going to provide what the moment requires. Faith is lived outside of comfort. I got to hurry up this morning. Y'all keep responding so it keeps making, making me talk, okay? So this is your fault. <laughs> Here's the second observation. Faith is public, not private. Um, just, <laughs> yeah. By a show of hands, uh, how, how many of you are, are, are dating in here? Now, if they with you, you better raise your hand. How many? Okay, okay, okay. Now, now, um, or, or, you know, how many of you want to be dating as well? You know, anybody like, look, look, this could be an opportunity. So you raise, you know, your hand. <laughs> this is where I'm going with this. Like, ladies, imagine if your boyfriend said to you, girl, I really love you, girl. Mm. Listen, you are 
the woman of my dreams. You must be tired from how you've been running through my mind all day long. Girl, I don't deserve you. Do you know my name? <laughs> but here's the thing. When, when we out in public, how about we don't tell anyone about our relationship? Because, girl, you're just so special to me. I want to keep you all to myself, boo. Like, I just... I just, I just want to keep, you know, this, this thing private. I, I just want this to be between us. This, this is just, you know, you and I, T. This is just us. You know, we, we, this is us. <laughs> how would you respond? How, how would you respond to that? You're like, they're crazy. Like, um, you look so dumb right now. There we go. If I could sing, I would have sung it, but I can't. How, how come we treat our faith in Jesus that way? We live in such a way that we have faith just as long as our coworkers don't know. Just as long as we don't bring it up too much around family because, you know, we don't want to start nothing. You know, it's about to be summertime. We don't want to start nothing at the family reunion. You know, or, or, or we'll, we'll downplay it a little bit with our friends. Yeah, I'm going to become a church. What did you say, huh? <laughs> Allergies. <laughs> family faith is not something that we reduce to a statement but it's a lifestyle it's not something like oh I'm going to make a statement I'm a person of faith but no it is a lifestyle it is the way we live it's, it's a lifestyle of faith and, and some of us we treat faith like medicine that we take well, I got a little headache right now, so let me pull out the Tylenol. And so it looks like, well, I'm applying for this job, so let me have faith now. Well, I'm believing for a breakthrough, so let me have faith for this moment. I really need this opportunity to come through, so let me go get some faith. But that's not what faith is. James talks about faith in James 2, 14 through 18, when he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and, and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith, by my deeds. Now, Western Dictionary, it says faith is a noun, but I'm going to challenge that. Faith isn't a noun, but it is a verb. Why? Because faith is actionable. Faith is moving. Faith has movement. Family, our faith needs to move from private to public. And it happens when we live it through our lives every day. So it's not just this thing, I'm a person of faith. No, it's action. I live faith. My marriage is done by faith. My career is done by faith. The way I give is done by faith. The way I serve is done by faith. Faith must go from private to public. When you live a life of faith, it affects every single thing that you do. 
So it can't just be this internal thing that we say we're processing, but it must be seen in the way that we live our lives. Faith is public, not private. And I feel like the day and age and where we, where we are, whether we want to or not, that decision, we will be forced to make that decision. Where do you stand on this? Where do you live with this? What side of the aisle or are you on? So either we can go ahead and make that decision to say, Lord, I'm moving. It's like an Instagram profile. I'm moving my faith from private to public. And it's not about this thing of just where we say, well, look what I'm doing. Because do you know that your faith has the ability to increase the faith of someone else? Because they can see the risk and the things that you are stepping out and how you are believing the Lord. And it begins to increase their faith. Not increase faith for things to get. Like, we got to move past that. I got faith to get the house, the car. No, no, no. But I'm talking about eternal, right? I'm talking about things that matter, things that last, things that move heaven. So our faith must go from public to private. And here's the final observation this morning. Faith is not equal to feelings. Faith is not equal to feelings. See, many of us, we equate faith to feelings, and we base decisions off what we feel because we have determined our feelings to be faith. But listen, family, <laughs> like there are moments where, you know, so I'm going to change your view of me. Sometimes I'm like, man, I'm tired. Like driving, like, man, we got to set this place up this morning. I don't know. I think we're going to have a family fun day. We're going to be outside. Everybody bring lawn chairs. <laughs> but you can't go by what you feel. That's not what faith is. But listen, we can't cheapen faith down to a feeling. Because the truth is, family, our faith, excuse me, our feelings, they will lie to you. Your feelings don't tell you the truth. You can't trust your feelings. Your feelings were how you're thinking one thing when you should be thinking another thing. Proverbs 3, it talks about, it says this, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. They don't say trust in my feelings with all my heart and lean on my Feelings, it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Some translations say acknowledge him, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. He will show you the way to go. Family, we have to follow the Lord, not our feelings. Your feelings are like the sand on the beach. It's shifty. It's here, but then another minute it's there. The scripture says we walk by faith. We don't walk by feelings, but we walk by faith. And as I close this morning, some of you right now, you're ready to step out into what God is calling you into, but you're afraid. Your feelings are telling you, like, listen, that is too risky. 
It's too risky to go all in with Jesus. It's too risky to really follow him. I mean, think about the influence at your work, at your job that you've gained. People are now finally getting to the point where they're valuing your opinion. Man, if you start showing up and you're not doing the stuff that you used to do and, and hanging here and hanging there and all that, that could hurt your influence. You know you've been on track for this promotion for a while. Do you really want to, want to take yourself out of position for that? And so what some of you are wanting to say yes to the Lord, but you are a little concerned. Some of you want to step out and start the business, but you're afraid because it's risky. No one in your family has ever done anything like this. You've never seen anything like this happen. You want to record the music. You want to write the book. You want to start the nonprofit. All these different things that the Lord has been placing it on your heart for years. But you're a little hesitant because, well, what if it all fails? What if it all blows up in my face? And so because you don't feel it, you're not saying yes to God. You're a little scared. But can I tell you this? Even if you're scared and got a little bit of faith, do it anyway. Because God can use a maybe faith over no faith. He can work with scared faith over zero faith. You ain't got to have this moment where you wake up and you feel like you can take on everything. But you just may say, God, I think... I think we can do it. Oh, I'm a little scared, but I'm going I'm to I'm I'm trust you. Family God can use even a maybe. So don't trust your feelings, but trust God. And the truth is, a lot of us want to know now, but sometimes you have to step out to find out. You ain't going to see it. You, you just, you can, you can Google it. You can ask around. You can get all your research together. The Lord is saying you're going to have to step out to find out. But Psalms 119 and 105, it tells us that your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That as you begin to step out into what the Lord is calling you to, that every place you place, every step that you take, the Lord is going to lead you and guide you to where you need to go. And what I have come to find out is that there are many of us who aren't living the way of faith because we have found ourselves as one of the ones who say, Lord, Lord, but we don't actually do what he says. We're only hearing what he says, but we're not practicing what he says. And family, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to practice the way of faith every single day. And this is how you do it. You wake up every morning and you surrender the day to Jesus. Start with Jesus. Lord, I know I got plans. Lord, I know I have an agenda. But I'm open to what you have to say. 
I surrender every moment. It's not about my agenda. It's not about the meetings. It's not about the responsibilities. But it's saying, Lord, I'm surrendering this moment, this day to you. And as you begin to do that over time, and you see God begin to move in other places and you realize he really is trustworthy, that he really is faithful, that your faith is going to increase and grow over time. But family, you're going to have to practice it. He says, as for everyone in Luke 6 and 47, it says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. Family, the way of faith, following the way of faith, it's like building our lives on the foundation of Jesus. Listen, it is by faith, right, that we are saved. It is God's grace putting our faith in Jesus. That becomes the foundation of our lives. And so if you want to follow the way of faith, build your life on the foundation of Jesus. Let's pray.